The word of the Lord for this message is the last verse of our gospel lesson of the great judgment. Verse 46, it says this, Then they, the goats, the ones on the left, will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous, the sheep, the ones on the right, to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. All of you gathered here this day, those of you joining us through our cable broadcast or through the internet. Bad news. Today is judgment day. I don't know if you realize that when you got ready to come here this morning or to listen, but the last Sunday of the church year that we are celebrating, observing today, is the theme of Judgment Day, Christ coming again to judge both the living and the dead. And there you have it, the king separating the right and the left. Now, maybe through the ushers we should have given you on the left side of the church more of a heads up and and maybe you would have made a, a better choice of where you sat today but you know you chose poorly having said that think about it Jesus lays out the basis for why and how that judgment will take place on the basis of what good or lack of good we've done. With that in mind, I would share with you this little parable of the goat. Boys and girls, the word parable is another way of saying a story, a earthly story, something that usually we can relate to or understand, but that has a heavenly meaning. And so boys and girls especially, I want you to listen to what I think are going to be at least two key points in this parable. It starts like this. Once upon a time, there was a little goat. He was part of a flock of goats that spent their time wandering around on the hillsides, drinking from the streams, and basically just hanging out doing what goats do. Like butting heads and roughhousing and eating everything in sight. Life was good for this goat until one day the goat saw a flock of sheep grazing nearby. They were so white and fluffy and graceful He had never seen anything like this before. So different from his flock of brown, gray, drab flock of goats. They seemed so carefree, grazing and playing nicely, not fighting or butting heads. He knew from that moment on that he wanted to be a sheep. But what could he do? At first, he tried to join them. He tried to go over to their flock and look 
like one of them. He used some discarded wool to try to make himself fluffy and white, but the wool didn't stay on his hair. Then he tried to act like the sheep so that he could also be as graceful as they, but it didn't happen. Then he tried to think like a sheep, tried to interact with them and know what they were thinking and doing, but again, a miserable failure. No luck. No matter how hard he tried to become a sheep, the goat was still a goat. Boys and girls, does that surprise you that a goat cannot become a sheep? I don't think so. To make matters worse, the other goats in the flock told this goat that the shepherd of the sheep was angry with him and was going to punish him because he was not a sheep and he was hanging around with them. Now, what was the goat to do? Earlier this fall, my wife Pam and I had a wonderful experience. We had the privilege of traveling to Germany to visit the sites and the places that serve as the birthplace of the Reformation. This trip was made possible due to a grant from the foundation and more specifically a certain aspect of the foundation that was left by Tom and Marie Factor and family. And their goal by leaving the money that they did in our St. Lawrence Foundation was so that professional church workers at St. Lawrence would have an opportunity to experience and to have ongoing education, and this is how they put it, to have learning experiences in a setting that is outside of the current professional environment. In other words, outside of Frankenmuth and the classroom or the church or the office. And so my wife and I were extremely blessed to be able to travel to, to Germany and to visit the types of places that Luther had lived in. Now, for purposes of our little um, parable, I think it's fair to say that Luther is the goat. <laughs> I don't think he'd begrudge me saying that. Um, I think he had been called much worse in his life. And maybe people still think of Lutherans as being old goats. I know one lady after the first service said to me, this is so-and-so the old goat. And I said, you said that. I didn't say that. So if you start calling each other that, well. And Luther, I think, also realized he wasn't going to win any um, uh, look contests or appearance contests. But we had the privilege of going and seeing places like Wittenberg, where he nailed the 95 theses to the church door, and, and Erfurt and Eisenach, where he had studied and learned and grown, and, and, uh, and the Wartburg Castle, and the city of Worms, and so many different places. And the prayer is that it has truly enhanced um, my understanding of, the, of our Lutheran background and, and our foundation for who we are as Lutherans. 
But in Luther's life, it caused us to think about his life and kind of to relive that to a certain degree. And in many cases, those of you who are familiar with his biography, with his story, you know that he was very much someone who knew he wanted to be something else. He started by attending the University of Erfurt for his undergraduate. And his father had set it up so that he would pursue what his father called a noble profession of becoming a lawyer. And that was the plan. Until that fateful thunderstorm in which he felt that it was the very wrath and anger of God coming down on him, almost striking him with the bolts of lightning in which he made a vow that said if God got him through this thunderstorm alive, that he would change and become a monk. And so that's what he did. He enrolled at the monastery. I don't know if enrolled is the right word, but he became, he went into the process of the Augustinian monastery there in Erfurt, Germany, which you can still see. The, the church or the worship facility that is there and how incredible it was to imagine what it was like back in, in Luther's day. He thought by changing his, his behavior that perhaps he would find comfort from God. That he would not feel that heavy hand of, of punishment and anger upon him. But it didn't work. He tried to be the best monk he could, but he still felt the wrath of God. So then he tried to change his attitude. This picture shows what is a stone grave marker in the floor in that church of that monastery. And apparently it was not uncommon for people like Luther as a monk to spend the entire night laying on that stone floor and, if you will, wrestling with God, meditating, praying, seeking for God's will, asking for that change of attitude, and even, if possible, a change of heart. This is what was reported to be one of the, quote, cells that Luther may have stayed in. I don't think it looked like that in his day. But where he not only wrestled with God, but he also had Opportunity where he inflicted pain and punishment upon himself. Hoping to be able to please the one who was angry with him so that he wouldn't be punished for his sins, which he knew were so great. And so, Luther still felt the hand of an angry God. He put it this way in one of the hymns that he wrote, Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment night and day, in sin my mother bore me. But daily deeper still I fell, my life became a living hell. So firmly sin possessed me. You could almost imagine Luther finding himself in the stockades, if you will, of sin. I don't think that's Luther there, but anyway, we can only imagine. 
that feeling of being trapped and caught, of being put in a paddy wagon with bars and chained in there like a criminal that Satan has complete control over. So desperately wanting to be one of the shepherd's sheep, but unable to accomplish that. What would Luther do? What would happen? Now fortunately, the parable continues. Boys and girls, I want you to listen in here. What makes the difference for the goat in this story? One day, however, when the goat was again trying to be a sheep, the shepherd of the sheep approached him. The goat was terrified. He wanted to run and hide because he knew that the shepherd was going to punish him. But before he could get away, he heard the shepherd call him by name. He stopped. You know me? The goat asked. Of course I know you, replied the shepherd. I've tried, I've, I've tried to, to be a sheep I've tried everything, cried the little goat. I want to do and be like that, but I just, I just can't. And now you're going to punish me. I just know it. I'm not going to punish you, the shepherd said gently. I love you. The goat couldn't believe what he was hearing. In fact, said the shepherd, I love you so much that I was willing to die for you so that you could become one of my sheep. Now, even though the goat was not the smartest animal, he knew that what the shepherd said was impossible. He had tried, and he couldn't become a sheep. He couldn't accept what the shepherd was saying. He did not believe. He began to protest, to argue, but the shepherd hushed the goat and held up a mirror so that the goat could look into it. And there, looking back at him in the mirror, was a beautiful white sheep. The shepherd had done the impossible. The goat was now a sheep. The shepherd was right. He believed. From that moment on, the goat, who was now a sheep, became one of the flock and lived in that flock. And wherever the shepherd went and whatever the shepherd said, the goat followed and believed no matter what. Luther, in his writings, describes the process by which he met the shepherd. Oh, he had known of the shepherd before, don't get me wrong. He had known that there was a God and that there was a Jesus. But he didn't truly know who he was. But through the word, through the shepherd's word recorded in the scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit who would continually work in his heart and life, Luther came to know the true shepherd. 
The shepherd who said that he had come not to seek and destroy, but to seek and to save, to lay down his life for the sheep. And that made all the difference in Luther's life. He had no longer had to worry about whether he was doing the right things and whether he had done enough, but that God had worked in him to change him, to make him one of his own. And that made all the difference in the world. Literally, the world has not been the same since Martin Luther met the shepherd. And what Martin Luther did with that relationship and that knowledge, well, that's something you may have to wait till next Sunday to hear more about. But for Luther, this was not just a parable. It was a parable that had come to life. And as he considered his relationship with the shepherd, he found it very easy to portray what the shepherd had done in his life through some very simple symbols. You see, the color black or or darkness or gray or brown represented for Luther the stain of sin in his life that would always keep him separate from God. But he also knew that Christ had come to die on the cross to take his stain and his sin away. And it was only Christ who could actually remake and change his heart from a goat to a sheep to put a new and right spirit and heart within him. And through Christ's death and resurrection, through his blood, that Luther's sins would be washed and made white, not just like the wool of a sheep, but like the petals of a white rose. And that Luther would then be promised the glories of heaven and the crown, the golden crown of eternal life. And by putting these all together, Luther could very simply demonstrate what difference the relationship with the shepherd made for him. But this parable is to come to life, not just for Martin Luther, but for you and me as well. It's judgment day. And there the king is standing there reciting the works that you and I have done. Is it enough? Have you helped enough people? Have you given enough to this cause or that cause to to feed the poor and the hungry? to, To clothe those who are in need? To house and to help and visit and restore? My guess is you've done some of that. You may have done a lot of that, but always? What about the times you missed, or failed, or were oblivious? The time the neighbor's needs went unheeded by you? Which side will you be on? The right or the left? What will the king say on judgment day? At that point, remember that this parable is true. That the goat, that you and me have been made sheep by the blood of Christ. 
And notice that the separation between the two groups of people does not come about on the basis of what they have or have not done, but the separation takes place before that. It says the king will separate the peoples as simply and easily as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, as many of you know, I don't see well at all. But even I, I think, could tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. Do you know how simple it is for God, who knows his own, to put them on the right side? You see, that's the basis on which we have come into that group, by the basis of faith alone. That's how Luther lived by faith, and that's how we live by faith. Our times of not helping, our times of overlooking our selfishness, and all of those things have been, in fact, paid and washed away by the blood of Christ. And now we stand before the King, on his right, as sheep, as washed sheep, as righteous sheep. And he recalls the good. The good that Christ has done in our place. The good that he enables us to do. And he says, come, you who are blessed, come and inherit the kingdom prepared before the foundation of the world. And we do. In Jesus' name, amen.